Hey everybody, welcome to our first bonus episode for you, the patrons of the dungeons, the pod people, for There Will Be Dungeons. Uh, my name is Scott Johnson, I've got Kristen here, we got Kyle, we got John, and we have Bo. And uh, welcome to our freewheeling bonus episode where we discuss all things There Will Be Dungeons. I'm going to very quickly toss it over to Kristen, who has your questions to be answered right here on the show. Kristen. Thank you so much, Scott. Hello, everybody, and welcome to There Will Be Dungeons Roundtable, April 29th, Stardate, April 2019. First question <laughs> comes from M. Fenton. To John, do you think Stanley will ever get rid of Diane Talis? Oh, I'm sure. One way or another, it'll probably happen. Although, I don't know. I toyed with the idea the other day of, like, what if there was an eventual coming to terms between the two of them. I have no idea what it would take to get that to happen, but like, what if they just were at peace with one another? That'd be weird, but I don't know. Right now they both want to get rid of each other, so it'll probably happen. We didn't see Diane Talish in episode one of this new season oh, at all. No, at least true. we don't think we saw him. Mm-mm. We haven't seen him in a while. He's, yeah. been, he's been gone. And do you have, yes, so have a, here? I have a question. Sorry. Is that do you have full control over that now? Like, can you tell him to knock it off and go away and not come back, or what's our status? I kind of forgot what how we left him. So, as it currently stands, as of the last episode uh, where Diantalis was in, the rule is anytime Stanley goes to sleep, Diantalis has the ability to take over, and vice versa. If Diantalis goes to sleep, Stanley has the ability to slip in as they lose consciousness. So. Diantalis has been opting not to do that for reasons that only he knows. And uh, as of right now, that's where everything is at. All right. Cool. And I have a question off of that. Will Diantalis need a body (laughs) when he finally takes form again? Or is he second down magical power to create like a magical form? I don't know. That's more a question for Bo. I honestly don't know what I'm working towards with the magical power, and I don't think he's going to tell any of us. Mm. He's already shaking his head. Mm. (laughs) Stanley has a body. Yeah. Yeah. Worst case scenario, there's one of My understanding is that uh, there's a rocket ship that the high elves are from space. Uh, John is a Spider-Man fan, which is why I want to take Diantalis and put him in a bag and put him in the rocket and launch him into space. Because Venom and Spider-Man, and you'd love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty good. So, Bo, just remember, Venom, Spider-Man. All of that's going to matter Perfect. one day. Web sack. Yep. Web sack. <laughs> All right, Scott, next one is for you. And I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly. Jan Laxo. If There Will Be Dungeons was set in the world of the Kevin Costner classic, Waterworld, mm. what kind of vessel would we be riding around in? Oh, my gosh. We could still call it the Vape 4, or Fate 4. Vape. The vape four. It would be the movie of all ships. in a world where people vape. Right. They're all smokers. Like, That's now true. All yeah. They, that was, was literally currency, their faction, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. It was their currency, and that and paper. Oh, yeah. So if you, if you, okay, here's so here's what we'd do. It would be a lot like uh, Costner's boat, in that it's it's fast and agile, not too big. And lumbery that's hard to turn or, you know, make make uh, sort of agile moves in the water. Um, the so under nothing like the fate for. Yeah, nothing like the fate for. <laughs> I mean, who knows how Bo would drive the damn thing or make us drive it. Um, but inside, like, I don't know if you guys remember this, but in Costner's boat, there was like a basement in the boat or an undercarriage thing that you could go inside of. And that's where he kept his better weapons, more rope, you know, hooks and, and, and all that stuff. And uh, one would assume paper because he would always tr- be trading in paper. Um, 
and we would have a lot of space. We would go for a boat that had a lot of that space because with all of us there, we'd want to, you know, we'd want to have as much as possible. He was kind of a loner in that movie. In our version of it, it's literally how we get around. Like, there's very little. You're not on the ground very often. Well, there is no ground until the end of the movie, but you're not on other people's ships very often, and you're certainly not on dock very often or for very long. So that thing would have to be all things to us, and so we'd have to have more plants to pee on uh, to make water. Um, what else do they have in there? Uh, I don't know. We uh, John would have to have a tattoo on his back with a map on it mm-hmm. and a side ponytail. Oh. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, all that Heck stuff. Yeah. But I, but I appreciate the listener pointing out uh, the fact that that's a great. That would be a fun place to try to do a campaign. I don't know how you do it, but that kind of apocalyptic world is super fascinating to me. So I don't know if everything would have to be aquatic fights and and uh, who knows? It We'd have to get creative. Probably, given that it's a fantasy world because you're playing D and D, like if you're just playing a straight up human campaign, I think you'd be on boats, but. There's, of course, sea monsters and underwater breathing, probably Atlantis, probably Jar Jar Banks is down there. You know, like there's going to be all no. kinds of stuff going on. No, now I don't want to do it. Well done. <laughs> He's off. He's yeah. off the would, a, now. <laughs> would a Ski-Doo be a dexterity mount? Or... <laughs> sure. Well, those I mean, are amazing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. those are those, some of the best things in that film. And so they have to... They have to exist in this world, so we'd have to figure out a way to make it work. There'd be some custom world. skills like swimming ability, I imagine, and um, and piloting. Like the same piloting things we have here could apply there. You could do it with yeah. minimal. You could sure. do one to one minimally. Yep. Uh, Wizards has released a lot of like water campaign style books, like just for traditional seafaring. So, mm. I mean, just make it so that there aren't any places to port very much, except for created structures and boom you've got your campaign but i'd expect to go underwater a lot for sure yeah Mm. all right another one this was for scott but i think everyone can kind of answer it because we've all had little workings behind the scenes here in these past three months is there any chance that nash magard has considered looking into using the unique resources of tiet kala as a means of eradicating the dientalis problem of the party during this active break Mm. i mean I I can say just for my own character, no. Like, like I a I wouldn't know how in the, at this stage, and because I never really know when Stanley is who he is or isn't. Like, I don't feel like that's my place. Nash wouldn't feel like that's his place to try to eradicate him. I mean, maybe maybe things get so weird we all have to put our heads together and do it. But um, that's this three months was more about healing and sleeping and relaxing and learning how to do puppet movie or puppet stories for little kids. And for, so for Nash, it was a, it was definitely a, let's settle it all down. You know, despite the dreams, let's try to have basically a three month respite from everything. Stanley did. He helped build a hospital and medical library under the guise of figuring out exactly this problem. So yeah. Oh, how do you so how do you do that and keep it secret then from Diane Tallis? Uh give he can't read minds. He only understands what Stanley says. So he's yeah. aware of anything that is said and done. So oh. Stanley can research medicine to his heart's content and look into it all he wants under the guise of I want to help people. I want uh but I need to learn all aspects of maladies that people could encounter and how to counter them and all of that. Whether Dientalis sees through it or not, I don't know. But oh, I do. good but, point. Um, you know, that's 
that's how he has kind of worked around being blatant about it. Gotcha. gotcha. Aren't we in a place right now where Varel, if you just just the sight of Diantalus puts you into a rage and you want to kill him at this point? So if he does show up and it's at least known to you, aren't you going to just pop off and Uh, have at it? It was Stanley we needed. So I think by Stanley opening the hospital, I forgave Stanley of not saving lives. And it was Stanley who Varel was saying is a coward and wouldn't come out. So that's a really good question. I know I still want to beat him up and launch him into space. Honestly, <laughs> if I was a wizard, I'd want to figure out the book so we could lock him in the book for eternity down in the mm. down in the business, down in the basement. Mm-hmm. But those are all, those are non Varel thoughts, right? Mm. I'm I, I'm what Varel would do. It would be super interesting to me because I just don't think you've got the. You're so black and white about your thinking, or about your, your character's thinking is so black and white and binary that if you're yes. you're just going to take him out or not, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and that begs the question: Could Varel actually destroy Stanley's body? Right, and we don't know if they if they're continuing to share it. Hmm. I kind of want to I mean, see how that could, plays he out. He could destroy Stanley's body and kill Stanley. Yeah. Probably wouldn't kill Diane Talis though. He likes Stanley he- though. Yeah. Well, yeah, it would be uh, achieving the wrong goal, probably. Yeah, even Nash would be sad if that happened. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> <Even> Nash. <laughs> <laughs> Bo, this one's for you. How many episodes were you estimating the Tiet Kala segment of the story to take at the onset? Was it the end of the Tiet always planned as a reflection spot? Uh, no, <clears throat> it was just planned as a place to adventure. I estimated maybe two episodes in town and then oh, wow. <laughs> and maybe three or four in the keep itself. And, it, you know, lessons are being learned about how what you can get done in three hours. And and ultimately, I've always known, you know, if we want to focus in on something or if something's supposed to take three episodes, but something fun, you think of something fun to include in it, like the Golden Gargoyle fight was never sort of preordained that started coming together. While we were in there, then then you just sort of go with the flow and what seems natural, which is kind of the fun thing about having a regular short session is that I do have time to respond to what's going on in the story and make those adjustments versus if you play for 12 hours on a Friday night, you've prepped what you've prepped and you can improv some stuff. But if you go onto a weird tangent, sometimes you got to say, well, I didn't really prep for, you know, I thought everyone was going to go to the tower now you guys want to go to the beach and I'd like to make the beach a fun place. So maybe we'll pick up next session after I think about that. So, so yeah, I, about six episodes for the whole Tiet Kala. It was supposed to be sort of a side adventure and it turned into the adventure and I didn't have a problem with that, but that's interesting. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that. Like I, it felt pretty natural that that was our the main was never a tiefling home right it was just a spot in the map and then they initially thought it would be a place full of gnomes probably or some sort of (laughs) small subservient race then the ideas started to form about trashburg and about the ruling guzzle gang and all that mad max stuff that felt right and that's Mm -hmm. what that ended up being but i had made the npc monsoon cabbage and i made him a vampire and i didn't really think about the backstory i'm like he's a vampire he's a tiefling he's in the town and then i as that, as you guys entered, and as that became a thing, I realized he has to have a reason for being here. 
you can't just randomly be here. And then the history started to form and the history turned into, oh, the tieflings actually originally, you know, it all started week over week forming together. Like, why would this character be here? And there's sort of a, as you guys are exploring the world, I'm also exploring the, the, the things that have to make sense. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of why I don't like prepping. Like prepping in advance is good, but sometimes like also coming up with things as they sort of unravel is a good way to create too. So um, no, I thought it was going to be a couple of weeks, like six weeks, month and a half max, and then we're moving on to whatever else, and it just turned into several months. And Pharrell going like, "God, I want to be away from human settlements." At one point, <laughs> I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry, buddy. We're gonna have to. You're gonna have to get through this challenge first. Mm-hmm. Do you have a naming convention? The like a PDF or a pattern you choose? No, I come up with the names as I come up with the characters. I don't have like a list that I pull from. So, which sometimes is annoying if if the creative juices are are not there. But I always just seem to find a way. Like, like on the spot, you're gonna get a really bad name, like Bok Bok, which is not a bad name. It's legendary, but at the time, it was like his name is Bok Bok. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, the, but um, yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a keep a list. Uh, I just think I just mostly either on the spot or as I think of the characters, I think what would be fun to call them. I guess I like sometimes you tend to go like uh, not random, but like the the place that we learned about in today's episode where the dwarves have a mountainous Mogen Frogen. Mogen Frogen. Frogen is. Uh, inspired by frog pants i thought we should put a frog pants themed place in there nice mm. so i definitely wanted to have the frog syllable in there yeah and then i just worked you know i was like it should rhyme so it doesn't sound serious i like it's it a serious place i yeah. like it i like rhyming th- names generally mm-hmm. me too yeah. it's the most serious there could be now this is for everybody the rest of these questions are for everybody what character elements do each of you find the hardest to role play Oh, evil geez. is the hardest for me yeah yeah good. i, I <laughs> so i play mass effect i for an achievement once barely scraped by with a renegade playthrough purely for achievement purposes and i felt awful through the entire thing and i i have a really hard time making bad decisions in games and things like that so I will say playing Diantalus is incredibly fun. It's some of the most fun stuff. It comes very naturally to me for some reason, but I have a really hard time with it. And the time we killed, I say we, it was me, Slippery Brent, <laughs> I genuinely lost sleep that night. I couldn't sleep. I wow. felt like somebody who had done the worst thing known to mankind. I went to work the next day. I looked like a wreck. People were like, what's wrong with you? And I couldn't really easily say I murdered somebody. <laughs> um, it was uh, it was bad. I, I really have a hard time with it, but it's also a lot of fun to play and try. Yeah, well, for me, it's probably being so gross. Like in my real life, I there's no way I'm getting a fistful of bat poo and smearing it in somebody's face or going months without showers or like I'm very picky normally about that stuff. Not not anal like oh my gosh, I can't have a speck of anything on me or I'm not constantly washing my hands or something, but, but I'm, you know, just not a, I'm not a freaking pig pen the way, the way Nash is. So it's not that it's hard to play or do. It's just very different from how I would actually be if I was in his circumstance. 
And like John just said, with his deal, as hard as that is even for him, it's still fun to do. It's fun to go places you wouldn't go, um, you know, if you're if you're real. The same thing with the one shot, like that character of Garpoon was a was really a fun offshoot for me because it's just not my normal thing at all. Like all the all those personality traits, all that stuff is just not me. And that's fun fun to play and I don't know why I always play something like I do this in video games too I play characters I that I'm not in real life I just don't I just feel like it's my chance to live out the fantasy in a way that's not too close to who I am oh man I'm gonna steal John's what what haunts you the most kind of option and it's when I choose a word that Varel wouldn't know but it's too late like helicopter I said helicopter when we fought the Medusa. And like for the rest of the night, I was waking up in a sweat being like, bro, I wouldn't know what the hell a helicopter is. <laughs> and at one point I said elk and lion. I'm like, I don't even know what those animals are. I love I love the joke of Varel and his wordplay. And I have this great, you know, curious George excuse as to why he knows so many words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But sometimes I just get frozen because I don't know if he knows a phrase or a word. And it's hard. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's fun to. I, I can tell the times where you're doing that, but I love it because it feels like Varel is doing that, not you. Like it's Varel smacking up against a word barrier or a what would he say in this social situation that is not Kyle but is totally Varel, and I I love watching that process because it's like having our own robot learn how to be human. Standards that aren't lizard. Yeah. Standards yeah. that aren't lizard. <laughs> so good. I, I would say like the same thing um, when I was playing Baffo and even when I play on this side of the screen, anyone that's smart and has to remember lots of knowledge is actually really because mm. <laughs> when we were, I was playing Baffo last week, I was like, wait, I should know this and put all the pieces together, but Bo doesn't actually know. So I'm just like, well, I figured it out. But don't let me explain it now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you roll for this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that part's kind of tough for sure. So, again, it's sort of like the same thing you said. If you're just like, I'm playing a super smart genius. And then you've got to role play it and you just can't because you're not a genius. I don't know what a violin's made out of, but a genius would know, obviously. Easy information. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We ran into Christine? that last campaign uh, where you were like, hey, do you know who's responsible for this? Or what? Who would do something like this? And the answer was the principal. And I thought it, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. And so the only way I could say it was like a little kid in class saying a word for the first time. I was like, the principal, right? <laughs> like, yes. But you're a genius, yeah, Stanley. Like, you nailed it, man. You're doing really well. Mm-hmm. Kristen, what about you? What's the hardest place uh, things to role play? Staying quiet. I, I share my joy very boisterously, and it's something I've had to practice as I've gotten older, is people don't like being talked over a lot. So, no, you should so, talk over these guys. This I think you're, you're totally fine here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but you know, there's always that fear you're talking too much or something, you're taking know, too much attention rather than sharing it with the ensemble. Yeah. So that's always the hardest thing is, oh God, did I talk too much this last time? Mm. Oh, uh, it's interesting funny. to know that because oftentimes when we hear feedback, even from other people who I think have listened to the show or listened to other D and D shows, is that we're very we're very courteous to one another's space. Like someone speaking, yeah. you're speaking, and on a show, professionalism is like you want to try and interrupt, but you don't want to talk over them in that way. And I'm like, you know, most D and T tables I think are like people 
talking over each other, excited to, what item did you get? Why didn't I get that DM? He's like, shut up. It's not your turn. He's like, I'm not going to shut up. You know, you know, it's like people are hanging out and playing, right? So I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I would say we can, we have room to crank that dial if you, if you want. Yeah. You're the freaking Otherwise. queen. You can talk over everybody for days. Yeah, yes. but you know, you know what I'm saying. Like, you, <laughs> no, you don't understand the waterfall that <laughs> Kristen can become. <laughs> this is like half of. <laughs> but I appreciate it. That's very. That's kind. interesting too because I think I'm aware of that in some level, and I'm always trying to pull it out of you with the things that happen to you. I mm-hmm. suppose if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. I'm often like throwing you curveballs or just provoking you i think i think i'm definitely trying to provoke you while we play not in a bad way but in a you know get really angry and do crazy shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah totally so this this goes into that pretty well nice segue which traits ideals bonds and or flaws are the furthest from your real life personalities to keep in check oh interesting uh for me the relationship between nash and stanley and by extension, I guess Diane Talis is uh, is an interesting thing because in real life, I couldn't be more fond of John. <laughs> um, but for some reason, I like the idea of an antagonistic uh, relationship that oftentimes results in uh, frustration between the two, or you know, a, a laughs. Honestly, a lot of it's for laughs on the sh- on the show to help entertain and have this sort of be fun. But also when push comes to shove, rubber meets the road, all those sorts of uh, uh, famous phrases. Uh, at the end of the day, Nash and and Stanley are, you know, they work together. They save each other's lives. They have a common goal. They don't, you know, they put that stuff to the side. And even though later they can pick it right back up and, you know, I can say, hey, Stanley, pull my finger and fart and laugh. And he can be annoyed with it and press to digitate the room or whatever. There's something about that conflict that is totally not. I don't have those relationships in my real life. Like I don't, they just don't exist that I can think of. If they do, I'm not with those people very long or I don't work there anymore. So it's like, <laughs> it's like a weird, it's a, that part is a weird thing that I just, it feels right for the story for me, but it's, ne- it's so far from my real interactions with people. Any others? <laughs> yeah, who's um, next? I mean, I would say I definitely agree with that. I think that's pretty spot on. I I also don't typically have that sort of fun antagonism with friends, and it's fun to play it here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't, I agree. For some reason, there's just something about Nash and Stanley that, that has become like a fun natural place for that to fall that just felt right from the get-go um i don't know i'm definitely not as neat as stanley uh (laughs) (laughs) that's uh that's probably that's probably (laughs) a nice uh, shelf behind you you're so good you're so good at that yeah uh that's probably more just the natural reaction to being in a world that i knew was going to be gross and gritty and I know Bo and I know Bo likes to err on the side of humor. And if he gets an opportunity to cover someone with shit, he will do it because mm-hmm. uh, he will always find that funny. So 
my reaction to that was okay well i'll go the opposite direction i'll go with a character who's uh incredibly neat and fancy and has to ensure that he's always very proper and clean and uh that was kind of the initial one of the initial traits that i had for stanley but stanley's turned out so 100 percent different than how i pictured him at the beginning like it's it's really weird to see where he's at He's probably more like me than I envisioned him. I envisioned him very different from me, and he's probably wound up a lot more like me as a person. It's cool, though, because that's the sort of, you know, like you spend a lot of time thinking what your character is going to be when you start. But the world around us shapes us, and so the things that end up happening end up changing you in fundamental ways that you can't, you can make all the backstory you want, but they just affect you. You know, the DM, the other players, what happens in the story so it's interesting mm -hmm. yeah, yeah i wanted him to be a liar a rogue like not an actual rogue but a you know a cheat and a sneak and he does have those elements but like the last person you want to follow or listen to and so we had that meeting with the hillmaster early on where it was like yeah i'm i should be the leader though of this group like it was a very high-minded thought of himself like i should be the head guard like all these others are just regular guards but i should be like the head guard and then everybody kind of let him have that victory and he kind of just kept riding it. And it got to a point where I was like, oh, I need this character to actually be somewhat responsible and good at what he does. He can't be awful at this. And so I walked that back a little bit because originally he was going to be I pictured him in the back lines, never getting anything he wanted. Just I think part of the part of the problem with that character type, too, is the world. Everyone's kind of bad and selfish and shitty. So it's. It's like yeah. if you're in a world full of uh, good spirited people who are gullible and take, you know, this is a place for someone like that to thrive. But I mean, the wasteland, they, people reject leadership, they steal, they hate one another. It's very, it's very actually hard to maneuver, I think, as a character of that type amongst people who are all really bad, maybe. Mm. Although Tiet Kala might produce some opportunities. They're kind of earnest. Yeah. This is all true. Yeah. What about you guys? Yeah, how yeah. about you? Uh, either uh, either of the Fergs. Pretending to dislike things I really, really like in the campaign. <laughs> yeah, you, know? you mentioned that a lot too, actually. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like when we were going through the stomach and the intestines, that nasty inside of the frog, it was so freaking cool. But the whole episode, I had to go, oh, gross. I wouldn't like this. <laughs> so here I am, like enjoying the hell out of it, going, oh, God, I want a drink. <laughs> See, i believe always... stanley hated it yeah and john that's one of my secret tropes i don't like i don't like the inside the body thing like i can't watch any of those movies where you go small and go inside a body i can't do it on yeah you can't even do like inner space right no that's so Not funny to me you're like my daughter with zombie movies except even a more interesting version in it, a film. It doesn't like gross me out. I just get immediately bored with it and just walk oh. away from it. Wow. I don't know where it comes from. It's just like, it's a weird quirk. Yeah. This is probably something you probably saw an old one, like uh incredible journey or something. I did when I was like yeah, five. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and that thing time. is boring. It's a sleeper, man. So if you saw that, you were probably, that was just imprinted and you were like, no, nobody can make this good. Well, I had that whole area dedicated disney <laughs> yeah growing up i remember that that was weird it was weird i mean i'm a huge but i'm the opposite i love that concept one of my favorite futurama episodes is all about 
everybody getting shrunk down and trying to stop Fry from being poisoned by this horrible sandwich he ate. It's a fantastic episode. Um, but it deals with that stuff. Uh, I like the magic school bus when my kids were really little because they always were driving that bus into somebody's butthole or whatever they were doing. Um, <laughs> Osmosis but, Jones had some yeah. good Yes, on Osmosis yeah. Jones is one of my the favorite bad guy movies. Was amazing. I love that movie. Finger? The live action Bill Murray stuff. What the movie? Uh, were they, did they what get all mean? small? What do you mean? They, they go inside Unicron at one point. Does that bother you, John? Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Let's, that would count. That, so that so the inside of robots is okay. That's yeah, it turns out that might be okay, actually. Are that you okay with them going inside with. of Unicron? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, but but like that stuff just, I, I'm fascinated by it. So I always find it interesting that you're, that you don't like it. The closest I got was the Rick and Morty episode because it's a big Jurassic Park parody, and I love oh, Jurassic Park, yeah. so it gets it kind of gets a buy for that reason. Sure, it's a bit more fantastical. Yeah, Did, is that the one where they kept shrinking down to a smaller universe and then kept going down lower and lower? No, that's and, a that's a different one. A different where one. They go okay. Into a microverse and the microverse has its own microverse. <laughs> yeah, I love that one. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, uh, what about you, Varel? What's the hardest thing for you to? I had to think really hard about this because at first I thought I was going to be being a barbarian, but barbarian 5e is amazing. Like all the advantages you get, the chance to hit, the rages, awesome. Mm. So it's Bok Bok. Bok Bok is freaking disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I personally would have abandoned Bok Bok a long time ago. I, I think that he, his... Oh no, my heart is breaking. His, his bodily fluids and his desire for cannibalism are are nasty. Yeah, abhor- abhorrent to you. Like I like my animal butts really fluffy, so I don't have to acknowledge their functioning living things because <laughs> um, I don't want to see the brown starfish. <laughs> right, right. Oh, listen, hold on. You hear that? Perfect way to end it, everybody. <laughs> That's our 30 minutes. That's how we do it. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Now, if you want to know how you get this bonus per month episode for uh, early, a week early than everyone else does, it's easy. You just got to support us by going over to therewillbedungeons.com and click on our support link, and it will all be made clear to you what you have to do. Um, That way you can get this stuff early. So any kind of bonus content plus a whole bunch of other really cool tier benefits are available if you head on over there and sign up today at therewillbedungeons.com. Uh, everyone else gets it a week later, and that's okay too, but wouldn't it be nice to have it a week early? That's what I'm thinking. All right, that's going to do it for us. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. See you next time. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Frog Pants Network. Get more shows like this at frogpants.com.